Well, we're going to get into this message series. There is a, there's a little passage of scripture that we call the Lord's Prayer. It's about five verses long, and it's going to take us six weeks to get through it. It's just that good. And I, I've been excited. I've been looking forward to this. And so if you've got a Bible, you can start finding Matthew chapter 6. We've just come through the, the Lord's Prayer, and now we're just circling back to a little portion in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 9. Well, I was, uh, this is a long time ago, but I was 18 years old when I went from my home in a small town and uh, traveled, uh, uh, you know, to uh, across the world to attend a Christian discipleship program. It was called Youth with a Mission, YOM, in Hong Kong. Here's a couple of pictures. Well, this is what Hong Kong looked like when I got there in 1986. Um, uh, and then this is what it looks like more or less today. Uh, it's, a, it's just an amazing uh, place, an amazing city that had just a real um, impact on my life. But it was not an easy time, especially, you know, in those days, we, there was no email or text messaging and, and uh, you know, Facebook and all those things, cheap long-distance calls, forget it. I mean, it cost a fortune to make a long-distance call. And uh, so there I was, pretty isolated from my friends and family. It was hard, but it was a totally worthwhile experience. Well, the way that... Ministry is structured after three months of lecture phase, and you get sent out on an outreach team. And so I was sent into the People's Republic of China for, for two months of evangelism and prayer ministry and covert Bible distribution. And as our team was preparing to go, we had to choose a team worship leader. And uh, I did not have a guitar. I didn't play guitar, but I knew a few chords. Probably A, D, and G might have known how to see if I really, really stretched it. And um, and I'd grown up playing piano and violin, so I had a little bit of musical uh, understanding. And so I was nominated as the team worship leader. Someone loaned me an old classical guitar the night before we left for our trip, and uh, off we went. And over the next two months, somewhat painfully, I learned to play the guitar while leading worship for our team of eight people, day after day. Will you play guitar every day for two months? You'll learn some stuff. It's just kind of how it goes. Thankfully, the songs in the 80s were super simple. Stuff like, this is the day, this is the day the Lord has made. And, you know, as the deer pants for the water. And so, like, lots of three-chord songs that, that I could figure out. And we didn't always get to sing it in the right key, but it was the key that I could play it in. Um, that's how it worked. And, uh, and then any time I bumped into another guitar player, uh, I'd say, hey, how do you do that part? Or, hey how do you do this chord or how do you play this song or, or, or how do you do that strumming thing? Show me that. I, I would say, teach me to play, teach me to play. And, and I, I could play guitar already, but I couldn't really play guitar. You, you know what I mean? And I needed someone to teach me more than what I could teach to myself. Well, lots of things are like that. Um, you know, you, you compliment someone on a delicious meal or dessert, right? And then they say, Oh, I learned this from my mom or, or, you know, someone who works in cars or fixes things or builds stuff, whatever. You, you, they say, well, my dad taught me this stuff. Or, you know, uh, some of you as school teachers, you know, you'll point to a mentor and say, well, I learned a lot from that person in my life. And I would say in the same way we learn, we need to be taught things. It's the same in our spiritual life. Um, we think practices, good practices like Bible reading and, and prayer and fasting and church attendance and small group attendance. We think, well, that should just be automatic and easy. Doesn't that just like happen? And it, it doesn't. 
because as you already know, it's not that simple. Someone needs to teach us how to do those things. At least that's how the disciples, Jesus' disciples felt that way. That's how they saw it. They, 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 they were good, God-fearing Jewish men, right, who had likely grown up around plenty of prayer and plenty of kind of religious activity. And yet, here's what we read. I've got this on the screen. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says this. Once, Jesus was in a certain place. He was praying. And as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Just as John taught his disciples. So Jesus wasn't the first one to teach people how to pray. It wasn't kind of a new thing of, of teaching prayer. But there was something about the way Jesus prayed, something in the kind of experience of Jesus' prayer that, that made the disciples want to learn from him. Lord, teach us to pray. And so the, I, I would say this. If the disciples who, who walked with Jesus, like literally in the flesh, like step by step, walked and lived with Jesus. If they needed Jesus to teach them how to pray, how much more would we need the same thing as we've been separated by time? And that's why for the next six weeks we're going to linger in this short passage of Scripture called the Lord's Prayer. If you grew up in a Catholic uh, church or a Catholic home, maybe you call it the Our Father. Um, I grew up in a public school. And in, in our public school, we were required to recite the Lord's Prayer every morning. I don't remember saying, um, singing the anthem that often, but we said the Lord's Prayer and had a, a mandatory scripture reading uh, all through my elementary years into... Um, well, then I went to a Christian school and we didn't do any of that. Isn't that funny? And then back to the public school and we did it again. So I, I'm not sure how that, how that worked out, but, um, but that was my experience and I learned it. In the King James Version, of course, right? Our Father who art in heaven, uh, you know, hallowed be thy name. There's um, kids sometimes understand, uh, you know, our Father Howard in heaven. Who's Howard, you know? Or, you know, kids don't quite understand that language. Um, but but that's we're going to dwell on this prayer for the next several weeks. Let me explain. We're going to read it right now. I'm going to read it with you from or for you from the New Living Translation, which is what we normally uh, preach and teach from here on Sundays. At the end, we're going to say the prayer together. I'll have it on screen. And for simplicity and kind of most common usage, we're going to use what's called NIV 84, the New International Version, which is the Bible that most of you would have in your home that was uh, kind of published and, and released, edit, edited and released in 1984, is the most, probably most common Bible translation around the world. Um, the 2011 New International Version brought out a new New International Version. So the NIV 84 is actually old New International Version. Now we have the new New International Version. And just for simplicity, we're going to go with NIV 84, and we're going to learn it with that. Uh, that's typically what I think Awana uses as well. It's a little bit more memorable. It's a little easier to, to kind of remember. It's fairly close to what you'd be familiar with if you learned it years ago in the King James Version. So it's kind of like right down the middle, um, kind of compromise translation for everybody. But for now, if you'll stand with me for the reading of God's Word, I'd like to read to you Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to start actually a couple verses prior. Jesus has been teaching prayer. Verse 5, he says this, Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door 
behind you and pray to your father in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their words, um, they think their prayers are answered by merely repeating their words again and again. Don't, don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask them. In verse 9, pray like this. Our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive our, our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And we'll stop there. We thank the Lord for his word. Let's be seated together. Let me make one more comment before we move on. If you grew up uh, memorizing this uh, in an evangelical setting, you would have added for yours or for thine, right? For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It's kind of like a benediction to the prayer. If you look in your Bible now, if you're reading in a Bible, you'll see that it doesn't appear in the Bible. You think, whoa, what happened? Did they just edit my Bible? Well, if you have a paper Bible and you're, if you're using a Bible app, there'll be a little letter or number. You can tap on that and it'll open the notes at the bottom of the page. And if you look down on the bottom of the page, it will say something like this. Um, some manuscripts add, for yours is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. Amen. That means, um, okay, did anybody see um, The Case for Christ, the movie? Really, really very good uh, movie. Surprisingly, honestly, can I just be totally honest here? Even for a Christian movie, it was surprisingly good. But even if it wasn't a Christian movie, it was pretty good. So, um, isn't that terrible that I said that? But it's kind of true. And um, so, what you, if you saw that movie, you understand the explanation of biblical um, uh, uh, text, what they call textual criticism. The Bible is the most reinforced ancient document because we have the most early manuscripts of the Bible, more than any other, by far more than any other ancient document or ancient book. So the Bible is well verified because there's so many translations in different languages that are back translated and show themselves to be consistent throughout history. And, and so what we want to be able to do with the Bible is get to earlier and earlier manuscripts because the earlier it is, the more uh, true it is to the intent of the original author. And what we have in biblical literature is that slightly later manuscripts include this benediction of the prayer, for yours is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen. So scholars have generally agreed to say, we, we agree that it's in there, and we agree that, that it's, it's, it's acceptable, but it wasn't part of the original intent. It's late enough that it wasn't maybe what Matthew wrote. Uh, maybe it was common practice in the church at the time and included. So here's what we're going to do. As we go through this series, as we practice praying the Lord's Prayer, we're going to include that benediction because it's familiar and it is, I think, close enough to original manuscript that I think it's fair and I would say even welcome to say inspired scripture. That said, it is not in the earliest manuscript, so we're not going to kind of take time to dig through that portion. Does that, does that make sense? Is that fair? So just... Trying to have full disclosure on those things. All right, I've got three things to say. All we're going to do today is introduce the Lord's Prayer. That's all we're doing today. We're just introducing this prayer, and I would love for you to just kind of be praying this and, and meditating on it in the weeks to come. But I'm going to say three things in introduction to the Lord's 
prayer. First thing you might notice about the prayer is, is that, that real prayer, like the intimate prayer, you know, this kind of personal prayer that Jesus prayed, that kind of real prayer is contagious. If you're following in your outline today, that's the first blank you can write, contagious. Real prayer is contagious. Well, how do we know that? How, well, it goes back to that Luke 11, 1 verse that we, we referred to already, in which Jesus you know, we saw that Jesus was praying, and it says, as he finished praying, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Like, like John taught his disciples, teach us to pray. Now, when you think contagious, you're more likely to think something bad, right? Like a disease, like catching a cold, or you're on an airplane and you, you get sick because you, you caught something. Remember that, those Ebola pictures from West Africa of a couple years ago? Like, Super suit, totally covered. It was an incredibly deadly, contagious disease. Um, but there's other kinds of contagious too, right? Contagious laughter. Someone starts laughing and you just find yourself laughing because they're laughing. That's called contagious laughter. Or someone's in a bad mood and suddenly you're in a bad mood because they're in a bad mood. That's contagious attitude, right? Or they're in a good mood. So suddenly you feel like oh, I'm in a pretty good mood today. I don't know why. Well, because your spouse was in a good mood or your friend or your coworker. Um, you can, you know, and, and here I'd say this is a contagious prayer. You can actually catch the bug of something good based on what you observe, what you see. And the disciples saw what Jesus had and it stirred up in them a desire to pray. Hey, we like what we see. Jesus, will you teach us to do that? Because we don't know how to do that kind of prayer. They wanted that same experience. And some of us, some of us have never really prayed much or at all and we haven't even developed a desire for prayer and 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 certainly not an ability to pray not obviously not all of us but some of us have struggled with that and that may partly be because we haven't been around other people who make us want to pray haven't caught a prayer bug from other people you're at a prayer meetings that were boring or you listen to people that just went on and on or they talked in a language you couldn't understand suddenly like their voice changes and they're like all oh, king jamesy on you and you're like I, I, that's not me. I can't go there. And you think, well, if that's prayer, I'm not really interested. Well, we, we want to be around people who would inspire us in prayer. People who are contagious in their prayer life. I know for me, I find it easier to pray when I'm with someone who has a genuine, vibrant, you know, personal prayer life. That makes me want to pray too. Prayer can be a, a bit of a puzzle for many of us. You know, on one hand... We know that God already knows. We just read that. God already knows what you're going to ask. Right? Already, he's already gone ahead of you. So you think, well, why pray? I mean, and I, and prayer, you know, we're not in the business of bossing God around, telling God what to do. So, you know, God doesn't need my prayers to accomplish his will. It's not, not like God says, like, man, I'm just not strong enough to do this without you. I mean, there's no shortage there. So maybe we think, oh, why bother praying? Maybe you prayed and you had some answers that didn't happen and you think it doesn't seem to work anyway. Why pray? And yet we see that even Jesus, okay, even Jesus, Jesus who had no sin to confess, Jesus who had no shortcomings to deal with, no lack of knowledge of the Father's will, Jesus who had no needs to be met, no illnesses to be healed, even Jesus prayed fervently and frequently. And so that tells us that prayer is so much more than a, than a laundry list of confession or a, or a wish list of requests. 
And so in these next several weeks, we're going to dive more into the what and why of prayer and the kind of content. But I want to say this, that, the, that real prayer is the place of intimate and authentic connection with God. Real prayer is the place of intimate and authentic connection with God. And can I say, many Christians have never experienced that. Many Christians have never come to the place of being intimately connected with God. It's been duty and obligation and trying hard and being a good person and keeping up appearances and getting to church and giving and doing all the nice things, but never made that like heart connection. I believe that's what Jesus had and that's what the disciples saw and Jesus said, okay, that's different. That's what we want. Not just the religious kind of activity around prayer. I mean, shouldn't it blow us away every time that we can approach the almighty living God? Shouldn't that amaze us that that us temporary, fragile, puny, weak, sinful, troubled, sometimes depressed, sometimes anxious, sometimes doing all the wrong stuff, that we can approach the Almighty God. Shouldn't that surprise us a little? Hebrews 4.16 puts it this way. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Not timidly, not fearfully, boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And there we will receive His mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most when do you most need grace when you've blown it when you've sinned when you've messed up when you've lost your way and where do you find grace at the throne of mercy wait shouldn't i get my stuff cleaned up first and then come to the throne of mercy no you come to the throne of mercy all messed up and that's where you find grace to help you when you need it most isn't that incredible it's completely backwards from how i would have done it if I were God, I would be like, you guys get yourselves cleaned up a little bit and then we'll talk. And God says, let's talk and I'll help you get things cleaned up. It's powerful. And something really, really great, really cool happens when you get around people who pray passionately and enthusiastically and you see their friendship with God and their communication and something in you says, yeah, I want that. I want that. So that's the contagiousness of real prayer, and as you learn uh, from others, you'll grow in your own prayer as well. How do you do that? How do you catch the prayer bug? Well, how do you catch a flu bug? Get around people who have the flu, and you will catch the bug. And if you have, when do you ever remember having when your kids were little, and then your kids didn't have chickenpox yet, but the neighbors' kids had chickenpox, and so I remember, didn't we do this? Saying, "Hey, can our kids come over to play? They need to catch the chickenpox." Is that not a thing? That's not a thing? Oh, yeah. Those of us who are a little older, that's how we did it in the days. We didn't, I don't know if we didn't have vaccinations or what, but we sent our kids over to play and yay, they got the chicken pox. Because you didn't want to have them in the chicken pox when they're 16. You want them to have it and get it over with when they're little. Um, and at least that's what my wife said, and she's a nurse. So I trust her. Um, so how do you catch the, flu, uh, the prayer bug? You get around people who, who know how to pray. Uh, how about getting to a prayer meeting? Sunday mornings, we have a, a prayer meeting here. We're, right now, it's pretty small, so there's room for you. Uh, we pray from 8.30 to 9 o'clock. We pray for the church and activities of the morning and, and so on, other things going on in the week. I'd love for you to come to that. There might be other prayer events here 
at the church or elsewhere in the city where you can be around praying people. On Star Wars Day, May the 4th, right? Um, there's a, it's the international, or the national day of prayer. Yeah, we call it that now. May the 4th be with you. Um, uh, Fresno Pacific University from 6 to 7 p.m. or Clovis City Hall from 12 to 1 p.m. On that day, it's a, it's kind of, it's a national day of prayer. Well, why not get down there? Why not go? Why not participate in those events and uh, help your prayer life grow? Let yourself catch a prayer bug. It's contagious. All right. Another thing you'll notice about prayer is that prayer is learned. Prayer is learned. Um, you know, the di- disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Prayer is learned. People get a bit insulted if you say uh, prayer is a learned activity. It seems like it should be just natural and easy and it just kind of happens. And you know, any prayer is good prayer. So what's the big deal? And that's partly true. Any sincere cry from your heart to the Almighty is heard by God. Okay? But why would the disciples who knew about prayer already, why would they ask Jesus to teach them to pray? It's because they recognize, as we've already said, something powerful in Jesus' prayer life. Plus, they, they saw Him, you know, going off on His own to pray, and they recognized something really, Jesus is like really awesome when He comes back from those prayer times. He's really like empowered and and so on. And they realized good stuff was going on there. And they wanted that same good stuff. They, yeah, you know, I've really been looking forward to it. As I mentioned, I've been looking forward to this message series. Because, you know, I've read books on prayer. And I've been to prayer seminars and prayer training sessions. And I've learned plenty of prayer theory. But I know my own prayer life has a lot of room to grow. And so, with you, I'm excited about digging in and learning from Jesus about prayer and how to pray. Jesus, you know, it's an amazing. Jesus can take these handful of lines and pack them with so much value that for thousands of years now we've been praying this prayer and using this prayer as a template for how to pray. And I know there's more to prayer than that, but it's a kind of a great starting point. It's what Jesus taught us. Um, it's a bit like my guitar learning experience of so many years ago. I was, I was figuring stuff out slowly. It was so awkward and difficult. And I, I, I just think back now to the people who had to listen to me, how awful that must have been. Um, but, you know, each time a good guitar player could show me something, I jumped ahead in my skill and in my enjoyment of playing. You know, I remember when I learned like an alternate version of the F sharp minor chord, I'm like, okay, that is so super cool. I love the sound of that. And I'm playing, then I'd work that in and songs and it gets better and better. That's how it is with prayer. So let's not let ourselves say, hey, I know this stuff already. You know, you know, I don't need to learn to pray. I, I know it already. The disciples needed it. Jesus taught it. So let's learn it. We'll, we'll be better for it. And we'll actually enjoy prayer more when we've learned from Jesus. Third thing you, you might notice about about prayer in this introduction is that prayer is personal. Prayer is personal. Luke 11, 1, right, says, Lord, teach us to pray. Not, hey, Lord, you should teach people how to pray, right? Or, hey, Jesus, you know, all these people around here, you know, they ought to, they ought to be praying. You ought, to, you ought to do a seminar on prayer. You know, I, I love it when people tell me, hey, uh, Pastor, we should, uh, you know, you should teach on this. And actually, I actually don't mind it at all. I kind of appreciate getting some, some input. But I like it even better when someone says, hey, I'd like to learn about this. It's very different because it makes it personal. And so prayer is, is personal. The, the 
that the disciples wanted to learn for themselves how to pray, how to pray. Well, what is prayer anyway? Where uh, we didn't actually define that yet. And I'm, I'm sure there's a variety of ways you can do it. I'd put it this way. Prayer is an act of devotion that reinforces our dependence on God. Prayer is an act of devotion that reinforces our dependence on God. See, when we're proud, when I'm feeling proud and I got it all together and self-reliant, I'm not going to pray because I don't need it. And if I'm not praying, I'm probably at the very least self-reliant, if not feeling proud about things. Prayer is an act of devotion that reinforces our dependence on God. When desperate, almost everyone will pray. They call it foxhole prayers, right? Even an atheist will pray to something or someone in, in a moment of desperation, begging God for a way out of this mess. God, if you'll just get me out of this mess, I'll do anything. Right? But prayer is not begging. Prayer is not telling God what to do. It's not selfish manipulation. It's not stamping our feet and throwing a tantrum until you know we get our way. I, I love what the Apostle Paul said about prayer later on when he, he wrote this in Philippians 4.6. He says this, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. See, when we when we get it right, we won't even pray according to our own needs. That becomes less and less crucial and we instead pray according to God's will. Prayer is personal, so don't, don't be content with letting others do all the praying. Can I say that? You know, one of my pet peeves at, at group meal times or group meetings, you know, where we open in prayer, it's a pretty common thing to do, is that prayer sometimes gets treated like a chore or even a punishment. Okay, who wants to pray? No respond. No. Well, Billy, you got to the table last. You have to pray. Aw. What? What? I, I don't understand why every person doesn't jump up and say, I will, I will. I'd like to. I'd like to thank God for what we're going to have. Or I'd like to invite God to, to help us in this meeting. Why are we so reluctant? Why wouldn't we want to talk to God on, on everyone's behalf? I know prayer is personal, um, but that means it's not just for someone else to do. It's, it's for you and me as well. And, and yes, we read this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Jesus said, when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. And remember, we talked about this already. Jesus is talking about this context of hypocrites who do love to pray, they love to pray, but they love to pray publicly, and they love to pray in a way that, that everyone can see them. So we already talked about this several weeks ago, that, that we're talking about the contrast of praying to be noticed versus praying for the right reasons. We covered in that message several weeks ago that there are plenty of group prayer meetings in Scripture as well. So, um, you know, it's both. And I, I know that, that for many people, and you might be one of them, out loud prayer is terrifying for you. It's so scary. And you just freeze up. You know, you worry that people are going to judge you for what you say and how you say it. And you get tongue-tied and your palms get sweaty. And you can't, you're not even listening to anybody else because you're concentrating. Well, what am I going to say? And your voice cracks and you sound funny to yourself when you speak out loud. I, I understand. I, I, that's, you're not that... Okay, that's kind of normal. 
Okay, that's kind of normal, so I get that. Look, when you get into a prayer meeting setting, you don't even necessarily need to pray out loud, but just know that in the same way that you wouldn't judge another person for how they pray, they're not judging you. And if they are, that's their problem, not yours. Um, When you have the opportunity, can I just really encourage you to take the risk, raise your voice in a brief prayer. Your prayers to God will be an encouragement to others and a blessing to the group. Uh, it's a good thing to learn to do that, even if it's brief. The devil will always accuse you and discourage you around this, right? You might be in a prayer setting and the devil says, well, you can't pray. You're such a sinner. I saw what you did yesterday. I, you, you, you're not even a good prayer. You, you should let others pray because they're better at it than you are. And you're, you're going to sound goofy when you pray and you're, you're, you're going to repeat yourself and you're going to get your words all wrong and you barely pray on your own what do you think you're doing here you don't you're showing off that's what you're doing you're being a show off the devil just heaps all these accusations on you and think yeah yeah i'll just i'll just stay quiet and i'm just just urging you just reject the devil's accusations recognize them for what they are he wants to destroy you he wants to hold you back from that place of, of finding freedom around this and and uh okay i'm also not saying that i'm not saying that sin doesn't matter that your own kind of personal life doesn't matter I'm not saying you should be careless in prayer. It doesn't matter what happens. But I'm saying that you learn by practice, you learn by experience, and the people around you are helped when you're growing in this way, when you're learning, when you lift your voice in corporate prayer, it helps. Um, And you can do that. So as we get into this series, I really want you to be encouraged about prayer. I don't want you to be discouraged. I'm not here to to cast, you know, take you on a guilt trip. Uh, If that's the case, you know, I'm... I'm a prime candidate to to feel guilty about this too. So let's just agree this is going to be a growth area for all of us. We're going to work on this together and and find some joy and freedom in this together. And, um, uh, you know, the reason that we can pray at all, the the only reason we can pray, and this is, you know, whether you're a lifelong believer or you're just coming to faith now, the only reason we can pray is because God's amazing grace that we talked about there in Hebrews 416 God's amazing grace shown to us through Jesus. We um, we pray not because we're good, but because he's good. Right. We 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 and this. Any good parent, any good father loves to hear from their kids. Right. They love it when their kid communicates with them, even if their kids being a goofball right then. Right. Oh, my kid drives me crazy. But they did call. They did send me an email. I did get a text from my kid, whatever. Well, God's a good, good father, and he loves to hear from his children. He loves it when you reach out to him in prayer, even when we're not getting everything 100% right. So here's what we're going to do. To conclude, I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to read this prayer together. If you are more familiar with it in the King James Version or whatever, that's fine. Say it the way you know it, the way you're familiar with it, and... Uh, But maybe this is new for some of us, and I hope that by the end of the six weeks we'll have this well memorized and feel confident about that. Will you pray with me as Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.